Hey everybody, and welcome to the Healing Circle Podcast, a space for conversation, education, and meditation about all things faith, relationships, and mental health. I'm your host, Kobe Campbell, and I'm a licensed therapist here in North Carolina. Whether you are here to heal, to grow, or to learn, we got something just for you. So let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm excited to have a good old conversation with my brother-in-law, one of my best friends, and the one who led me to faith, Brent Campbell. Brent, say hey to everybody. Hey, y'all. Um, Brent, I'm going to get you to start off by introducing yourself. Okay. Um, so my name is Brent Campbell. Um, I uh, A little bit about my background is I grew up in church my whole life, the whole thing. He was um, a PK, y'all. Yes, my parents. Capital <laughs> PK. <laughs> um, my parents are pastors. Oh, and 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 they're good pastors. My my dad, everything he ever preached, he did. So I, I just grew up in a in a crazy blessed home. Like I never wanted for anything. I don't have any um, deep emotional scars. I mean, just like um, unheard of nearly. So um, I grew up. I grew up um, hearing about Jesus. I led worship in church, uh, led little Bible studies, was like the nicest Christian kid in my in in sort of my environment, my school. But long story short, didn't know him. Uh, ended up becoming a actual follower of Jesus my junior year of college, um, and uh, changed my life. Uh, I was actually on my way to commit suicide. Had this miraculous encounter with Jesus, um, blew my mind. The idea that he was really real, not just in my head real, not just I went to church and cried sometimes real, but mm. as, um, as the ground I was standing on. I mean, that that changed everything for me. Um, yeah. Uh, slowly, actually, rather not that slowly, started reorienting my life around the gospel. And, um, and a year and a half later, ended up um, joining an organization uh, called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and now I work full-time as a campus missionary uh, with them. Yes, Brent, you gave the whole spiritual bio. I'm here for it. So the first thing I want to ask you is, um, how did you get to where you are today? We touched on that a little bit. Um, and how would you define this season of your life that you're in? Um, how did I get here today? Uh, yeah, a lot of it is 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 what I've already shared, but um, man, well, let me say where here is. Um, right now, I'm in an apartment, um, uh, sharing with a roommate that I probably uh, the apartment itself. Roommate's great, uh, but the apartment itself probably isn't a place I would have liked to live. Actually, the trajectory of my life is completely different than how I thought it would go. Mm, what did wait? What did you think your life was gonna look like at your twenty seven? Six. Twenty six. Okay. So, what did you think your life would look like at twenty six? Just give me, give us the rundown. I thought I would have money. <laughs> oh, money. I, I would have money. I mean, I I was a finance major and a biology minor for most of college. I was. Mm. It was either med school or or working in finance and. Um, and for me, it was just an option of trying to figure out which one I wanted to, to do. Yeah. And I got a pretty good job offer, or multiple job offers when I um, uh, graduated, but ended up turning those down so that I could fundraise full-time, mm. own salary, so that I Lord. could um, doing ministry with college students. So, so, I mean, right where I'm at right now is, you know, I got $100,000 in debt. Um, <laughs> Jesus. I, I make uh, something close to uh, $30,000 a year before tax. Mm, uh, transparency, appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I got into a car accident about a year and a half ago, and I couldn't afford um, I couldn't afford to fix my car. Uh, it's only because mm. of the velocity of, of strangers and supporters that I have a vehicle now. So, so where I'm at now is a life um, that looks completely different from what I thought. Um, yeah, both a blessing in crazy ways, and also uh, 
you know, <laughs> not quite a curse, but it's been tough. Um, and I and I just think about that sometimes about the trajectory that my life has taken. Yeah. Sacrifices mm. that have been made. Um, yeah. I wouldn't change them though, but yeah. Um, mm. How I got here is because I met Jesus <laughs> on my way to commit suicide, and the reality is that all the things that I was looking for out of a life, those are not the things that came and helped mm. me. I was suicidal. My anger didn't come help me. My shame, my guilt, sex didn't come for me. Mm. Track, I was running track in college. Track didn't come save me. There wasn't a mm. girl to help me. Nobody helped me except for Jesus. So um, yeah. the world would say that I maybe I need some of those things now, but those things didn't help me. So I mm. have a thing that helped me, and I don't have the things uh, that weren't there when I needed them the most. And so uh, I'm grateful, but it's been tough. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like there was a very clear um, defining moment for you. And I mean, I'm saying it sounds like, but I know that there was because, you know, I met you short after. But I would love for you to share what your life was like before that flip switched. You know, I would love for for us to get to know a little bit of BC Brent. Well, you know what? It's it's really funny because there's normally two types of pastors' kids uh, or people. <laughs> there's the drummer who put his hand down your pants when nobody's looking. Oh my god! Sunday school teacher. The the bus the bus wide open one right. and the recite scripture one. Right, and I was the recite scripture one. I mean, for mm-hmm. for most of the average, the person, the people who didn't know my soul would have said. That I was a great kid, lovely, mm. was really nice and kind. I mean, I think also I was pretty arrogant and judgmental. When I look back, I can see who I was a lot clearer than that. But yeah. in general, I mean, I was doing the the Christian kid thing. Um, I was pretty convinced that because I was better than my peers, quote unquote, better than my friends on the track team or or some of the other people in my college life that I was following Jesus because, mm. because, you know, I didn't cuss and they did, you know, just like crazy stuff that doesn't <laughs> make sense now that I know him. But at the time, those were the things that, um, because I wasn't having sex for at least a period of time. And they were, you know, these different, these sin checks that, uh, I felt made me honestly better than people. Though yeah. I, like they're the heathens and I'm over here doing the Lord's work by just being perfect. Yeah, yeah. Y'all keep cussing over there. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Stay here and worship the Lord. <laughs> yeah. And and I would have never I mean, I would have never said that out loud, but that was that yeah. was um so yeah, I mean I honestly it's this is gonna be one of those Christian cliche things, like it's gonna sound it's going to sound like I'm just giving a Christian platitude, but I don't remember a lot of my life before Jesus. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, it's just kind of foggy. I mean, I can recall <laughs> just, I wasn't living. I mean, it sounds so, so like trite, but I really was not living life until I met Jesus, you know? Mm, do you feel like you're kind of like on autopilot? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now when I was living it, I would have never expressed that. Right. I guess mm-hmm. it's one of those things where um, you don't know what you're missing until you get it. And then you're like, how was I ever living this way, you know? Um, yeah. And um, for me, it was like going from uh, black and white to color, you know? So yeah, wow. after Jesus is like a full life <laughs> with complete with more struggles. <laughs> I have emotions. Right, right. I'm a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even desires, right? Like, like if, when I think about my motivations when I, before I was a believer, they were based off of my relationship. I wanted to be whatever, whoever I was with wanted me to be. I mean, there was. Mm. And there that's was slavery. Motivation. Yeah. Right. I wanted to be a doctor because I thought it would make um, the woman I was dating at the time happy and it would provide enough money for us to live the life we wanted to live. It, it was, it was a motivation directly based off of, her and an idea of a relationship with her and had Mm. I not with her or had she wanted me to be something else that's what I would have been yeah yeah and I think what is powerful about your story and I'd love for you to elaborate on is just the idea that like looking good does not mean you are good 
you know, and and I think as like more of us have access to people's to the reality of people having suicidal thoughts and people wanting to commit suicide and genuinely considering it. I feel like so many of us are like, oh, but they were just so happy. They were so bubbly. They were they yep. were involved in this and they volunteered at church. And it's like, so? <laughs> like, I really want to, like, when people, like, have those posts, obviously it's not the, you know, appropriate time. And that's why I don't do it. But I'm just like, that means, that means nothing. Like, if we continue to judge people's, like, the health of people's soul based on what they do, and what they have, like, we're going to keep missing people. Like, there's a whole bunch of people that are just going to be kind of trapped in this in this dark closet, unseen and, and put away. And I think there are just a lot of people walking am- amongst us who just, like, are dying. Yeah. And I think that's what you were saying. Like, I think that before people want to commit suicide, they already feel like they're dying. For sure. I already feel like they're dying. Dying. I want to um, hear more. Rather, I'd love for you to share more about what it meant to be a black man, what it meant to be someone raised in the church, and also what it meant to be someone who was like, "Yeah, I don't want to live anymore." Yeah, I I think because suicidal thoughts and depression came very late for me. I mean. It wasn't something I've, at least not that I'm aware of. I mean, probably when I look back, I can see uh, a bit here and there. But in general, I was not aware um, of much depression or sad. I didn't, in fact, when I when I would um, hear about people who were depressed or hear about people who had actually committed it, I didn't understand it. Yeah. It super selfish to me. Um, like, why don't you get over? You know, it was almost just like, what? Like, get over just it. Just be stronger. Yeah, just like, what? <laughs> just be healthier. Yeah. Yeah. And and I didn't think it, it wasn't any deeper than that. Um, mm. so, so for me, I mean, some of it is, yeah, growing up as a black man with certain ideas about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a black man, and, and the relationship that black men are supposed to have with their emotions. Um and I think that was something that I picked up pretty well, just like most people. Um, even though I had a, I had a, my my dad was at times both a good and bad example, where he was always, um, it was it was like he was aware that the way men process their emotions was not healthy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something. It was more like do as I say, not as I do. I didn't get to see him process emotion much, mm-hmm. but. I, hear him tell me that I should be if that makes sense yeah 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 yeah. so that led to some benefits uh but obviously not as much as would have been there if, if I'd gotten to see him process emotions in, in real time um, yeah and when there... people tell us to do as they say and not as they do oftentimes it feels like they're saying well strong people do it the way I do it but because you're weaker than me because um, you know, you're not as strong as me. You need to process it this way, right? And then we absorb that indirect, um, you know, notion and we're like, well, I want to be strong, so I'm going to do it like you and then I'm going to tell other people to process just like my dad did. <laughs> you know, you process your emotions, let it out before the Lord. But I'm not going to do that because I'm I'm the strong one. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, and, and nobody's, you know, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's necessarily doing that on purpose, right? But oh, no, never. I don't think. I mean, there's almost no other option that you can have. Mm. Uh, and so for me, the depression and the suicide came very suddenly. My life is a great example or a great parable of, um, in Matthew, when it talks about your life being built on uh, two houses, one built on sand and one built on rock. And they mm-hmm. look, they they feel the same. They sound, you know. Look, just wait for that storm to come, though. Well, the storm comes, right? And there's a, when you read that, at least when I used to read that, um, I didn't think about it in practical terms of the suddenness of a storm, you know, because mm. for me to have such a drastic response, because I really was going to kill myself, which is mm. why I just really stepped in, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah was not playing but I had never thought about suicide before that I mean mm-hmm. ever that I can remember um yeah. it was the reality 
when this tragedy happened in my life, uh, that my life was built on essentially nothing. Everyone, every, all of who I was, all my desires, all my hopes, all my dreams, all my passions, all my fears and securities, they were built on a person who barely existed. And when I combined that with the idea of God, if you aren't real, there's no hope. Mm. A hyper-logical, always kind of um, intellectual person, right? And so it felt like, okay, I was pretty convinced that if God was real, he was the God of the Bible, but mm. the reality of him had not been made clear to me. And, and the apologetics or the intellectual discussion was not enough, right? You have to meet Jesus is a person. Suffering is personal, and personal mm. demands a personal response. Mm. And I, a person um, who was there for me, uh, and I didn't know a person. I knew a book. I knew some songs. I had mm. some, some theology, but I had never met a person. So yeah. I became aware that I needed a person that I would have never said it that way. And when I realized I didn't have that, and I wasn't sure anybody else did either, I was like, okay, there's no hope. Um, and so I, it was a very quick spiral. Uh, it was, it wasn't more than seven or eight days from when this event happened in my life to me deciding to commit suicide. Mm. How do you feel like the Lord intervened? Cause I think, um, people are like, and then God stepped in and then we like brush over it. And I think for people who are still figuring out their faith for people who don't know Jesus personally, they don't even know what that logistically looks like, you know? And so it sounds like this Christian platitude of like, then I just felt better. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus stepped in and I just felt better. And the depression lifted and this peace washed over me. And then I was good. And I just started living my life. And I think it's just so important for people to hear like moment by moment what it looks like for Jesus to intervene in our lives and not saying this is exactly how he's going to do it for everybody um, who makes space for him. But like being able to say, okay, what did it look like for you? Yeah. Cause I think that, you know, faith really does come from hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'll skip some of the, uh, the background and, and get to the meat of it. But I woke up after, uh, I was this, on the seventh day. Uh, <laughs> I woke up literally on the on the morning of the, of the seventh day after yes, this. number of completion. Come on now, look, he had a plan. <laughs> We're um, not about to shout on this podcast. <laughs> Y'all ain't trying to picture me, anyways. <laughs> on the seventh day, and um, had had this, had been very depressed, barely eating, barely sleeping, throwing mm -hmm. up quite a bit, working out constantly but not eating because i was insecure about my body and what i looked like um and my value and um woke up uh after having this nightmare essentially um where i was reliving some of the, some of the trauma that happened to me and i was just like look if this is life i'm done and <laughs> can we return this look <laughs> <Does anybody laughs> what's, what's the return policy um, and it was around 5.30, 6 a.m. Now, I had been talking to some people in my life, talked to my parents. They they knew I was sad. They had no idea I was depressed, you know. Mm, wait I, a minute. We're going to pause right there. Yeah. You said they knew you were sad. They didn't know that you were suicidal. And I, I, um, and I promise I will let you continue. It is so important for us to value the sadness that people openly express before us because people usually are sad long before they're willing to let other people see it yeah and so when someone allows whether it's you know verbal or nonverbal, when someone allows me to see them sad i take that seriously yep. and i think we all should yeah for sure uh, that being in that state myself has helped me in, in counseling and ministering with students and just other people. Like you said, taking, I know if someone is expressing something to me, it's probably two or three times worse than what they express. Absolutely. That's how I try to treat it. Because I yeah. know that's what it was for me. I mean, I was acting very well. I didn't want, you know, I didn't even, I didn't want to be as sad as I was. So mm. people didn't know. 
Um, and so I had, I'd gotten some advice from, you know, my, my dad. Now at this point, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a follower, right? Mm. I, you could, I could put my name down on a Christian list. That's what I would have done. I would have said I was a Christian, yeah. but I had no idea who Jesus was, but I did not know this at the time. So I'm talking to my dad, right? Um, I'm talking to my dad and he gives me some terrible advice because <laughs> I was not a believer yet. And he said, um, the, the seat of my depression had to do with this relationship I had been in and just given my whole life insult to it. And so, even yeah. then, uh, and, and I had been betrayed in a lot of different difficult ways. And so he had said, you should pray for God to give you the grace to forgive her. Which is not something I <laughs> forgive. What? Who? Yeah, I, you know. Um, and I had another mentor of mine. I mean, these are all really strong, um, great uh, men and believers. I think that they, the only disservice they did to me is they believed, they took me at my word when I said I I knew Jesus. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the other one gave me some and advice. And that's a word in itself, too. I promise I'm going to stop interrupting you. But I'm look, they took you at your word when you say that. What? We need to start making sure that we're looking at how people live and not just what they say. Yeah, it, it's just that the words that we say, I mean, they're, they're nothing compared to what's actually happening when no one's around when you're alone. Mm. Um, you know, in the places nobody can get to except for you. Um, and so, so that was the only downside of my life that people took my my words for for truth, even though that wasn't the case for me. Um, mm. And and I was defensive about it. Like if you had said I didn't know Jesus, I would have been so angry. I would have fought. <laughs> you know. So it's just like I mean, what are you going to do? But yeah. and maybe that's why God had so much mercy. But the other guy, I, I a mentor of mine told him, hey, man, I'm really struggling. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm really hurting. And he's like, you should worship, which once again, pissed me off. You know, like, I'm just like, this is all terrible advice. This is stupid. And so I wake up after having this nightmare, and I'm like, I'm done. But as a sort of um, almost as like a last rites, I was like, I'll go ahead and pray so I can say I did it, and I can die in peace, essentially. Mm. And I pray this prayer for about an hour, hour and a half. And I woke up around 5.30. And the prayer was, God, give me the grace to forgive her. Take away the pain. Give me peace. Mm. And I did that for about an hour, hour and a half, on, on my knees, in my room, crying. Um, mm. And um, nothing happened. So and, and I don't know even what I was expecting to happen, but nothing happened. And so... So I get up and I look up. I mean, it's, it sounds so dramatic, but this is really what happened. I get up, I look up towards my ceiling, and I was like, I always thought you weren't real, but now I know for sure. You said if I ever needed you, you'd be there for me, and I need you now more than ever. Where are you? Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Right? So I grabbed my keys. I had my whole suicide plan. I didn't want to kill myself in my house and have my mom find me. Um, and so I go to my car. Um. And um, when I get to the door of my car, I have this urge to go back and pray. Um, something's just telling me I need to go back and pray. Now, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit. I didn't even have language for that at the moment. I just thought I was afraid to die yeah. because mm-hmm. I wasn't afraid to die. So I yeah. thought I was just wasting time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was scared, so I was like, okay, I'll waste some more time. So I go back to my room, and... Um, and I go to pray, and I'm just really in a bad place, rock bottom, ugly, ugly crying, sneers, all the uh, not all, all um, different types of fluids coming out of many different orifices on my face, um, and uh, it, it's it's a bad time. Prayer again, um, God, give me the grace to forgive her, take away the pain, give me peace. So, mm. I um, I prayed it probably once. Um, and then I pray and nothing happened and I'm just done. And I pray it one more time. And uh, in the middle of the word peace, I just started hilariously laughing. I went from hysterically crying to hysterically laughing. Mm. And, uh, and so literally it sounded like, God, give me the grace to forgive her. Take away the pain. Give me peace. Ha 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 ha. I mean, just mid 
right? Mm. And <clears throat> barely eaten, barely slept. And now I'm laughing uncontrollably, just like in a moment. And I'm like, what is going on? So I thought, like probably a lot of people listening thought, I thought I just went crazy. I was like, I just snapped. I just went crazy. This is what crazy people do. Because I'm laughing, and but I can't stop laughing. And this is the first time I ever heard the Lord speak to me. And I heard this voice in my head. It wasn't an audible voice, so I've had some experiences uh, later. But at this moment, it wasn't an audible voice. It would be like if you were to recite the ABCs in your head, and then someone started, and then you heard another voice in your head while you're saying the ABCs. Uh, start numbering from uh, counting down from 10. It was another voice in my head, but it was not my own. Um, mm -hmm. Very distinct because I'm talking to myself while it's happening. Like I'm saying, I think I'm crazy. And a voice in my head interrupts me and says, No, it's me. Mm. When he said, It's me. I knew it was God. You know, it was like when he said it's me, it was all that it meant for him to be him. I, I understood. And and so I'm like, I'm like, whoa, it's like it's God, you know, like who's that? And at the same time, I felt these arms wrap around me as if um if someone came up behind you and gave you a hug from behind. Mm -hmm. Arms wrap around me. And this isn't in my head, this is like physically. This is what I felt. I felt these arms wrap around me in a hug. No, it's me. Arms wrap around me. And so it was so real to me. I freaked out. I turned around. I'm looking around. I'm like, who was that? Mm. Like, that's what I said out loud. Like, I'm looking around my room. Like, who just touched me? Um, and uh, it was the Lord. I ended up uh, remembering the words that my mentor had said of like, hey, you should worship. I didn't even know what that meant the night before. Mm. Like, yeah. What does that even mean, you know? Um, but um, <laughs> I understood it in a moment of like, oh, I need to worship. And I saw this <laughs> corner of my room and I like just went to the corner of my room and put my head down in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just so weird, but that's just what I did. Like on my knees, corner of my room and, and ended up having this conversation with God, like almost like I'm speaking to you. I mean, so hard to explain. I don't know if it was in the natural or the spiritual or whatever. Like Paul says that, like, hey, bro, I don't know. I don't know if it was in, in the heavens or in or in in, um, in the physical, but just had this mm -hmm. conversation. And God um, said, like, essentially three things um, over the course of 20 minutes. First thing, you made her your idol. Mm -hmm. And he was like, and God is sarcastic with me because I'm sarcastic. Um, and he was like, that's <laughs> Really, the first rule, you know. Repeat that. What did you say? He said you made her your idol, uh -huh. and like literally the first rule, right? <laughs> Which and it is. Yeah, I have no other gods before me, right? And and you made her your idol, right? That was the first thing. Second thing was I never meant for this to happen. If you had asked me, I would have told you that she wasn't the one for you because because uh, my depression and the suicide had centered around this relationship I put my life. Um, and, and so uh, I would have told you that she wasn't the one for you. And he brought up these memories over the previous four years. Like I could, it was like um, I was watching a movie because um, we had dated for about four years. I was very serious. Mm. And from beginning to end, he was like, remember that? That was me trying to get your attention. Remember that? Just these different moments I'd had with her where I knew that we weren't supposed to be together, but I was too caught up in myself. Okay. Um, and he just remember that that was me. Remember that that was me. Just four years of, of times where God had been trying to get my attention. Mm. The third thing was, hey, if you will follow me, I can give you a whole life of peace. And um, I said, all right, bro, sign me up. You know that. Was, <laughs> that was it. So really, for me, I mean, I was just so blessed. Um, I got that encounter. Um, I didn't deal with depression. I mean, this isn't everybody's story. This is mine, right? And, yeah. Um, just the way God did it for me, I dealt with a lot. But what I didn't deal with was depre was depression. Uh, yeah. After, I mean, from that moment around 7, 7 a.m. around that time, uh, I had a new floor. I could only go so low. Mm. Part of it, I think, is just the way I'm wired. It, for me, it was a hope thing. God, if you're not real, no hope. And I'm like, mm -hmm. an, 
type person. If you're not real, I need to die. Mm. Are real, I always have something to live for type thing. And so for me, I just think the way I'm wired uh, for God to communicate himself to me in that way, you know, helped create a lot of things for me. But but yeah, I, I started following Jesus after that. wasn't perfect, uh, but was on fire. <laughs> mm, yeah. Stayed mostly on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that I've gotten the pleasure of being able to, like, see that and hear about that. Y'all, Brent, Brent is the person who does what no one else wants to do. He's the person that if you go to a gas station, if y'all are driving a car and you go to a gas station with him, he's going to pray for the cashier. The cashier is going to break down and cry and say, how did you know that? And Brent's going to say, well, the Lord told me and he wants a relationship with you. And like he, he um, is such a inspiration for me, for my sister, for a lot of people I know. And for a lot of people he doesn't even know. Um, what do you feel like? is the coolest thing that you've been able to be a part of since you decided to like really commit yourself to faith and to Jesus? Um, man, there's been so many cool things, but probably one of the coolest moments I've had maybe over the last year, uh, I would say this, this story that I'm about to share probably represents both it, it it paints one of the fullest pictures of what it looks like for me to live my life and and rather continue to try to live the life God has made available to me because mm-hmm. um, it is a struggle. So I was at, I got invited to like preach this, like, it wasn't even really a sermon. It was, they were like, you got like 10 minutes to just encourage people in the middle <laughs> of this. Night. It was like a worship night. They were mm-hmm. like, have like a little mini devotional in the middle of the worship night and they get get back to it. And I got invited to, um, to, to do it. Now the people didn't know me that well because, mm-hmm. you know, 10 minutes, uh, you know, that's rough. <laughs> that's real rough. That's I, two sentences. I got them <laughs> and I took 20 and, um, and either way, um, you know, God, God ended up moving early in that day. I had been confused about what I should share about I was in the shower praying and I'm talking to the Lord uh, while I'm taking the shower and I hear or I think I hear let me be very clear I think I hear God say that there's someone with a lump I'm supposed to pray for mm. it came out of nowhere because it, it was just a, I'm thinking and, and just for anybody listening what does it look like to learn to hear from the Lord it looks like feeling like you're talking to yourself and then taking a risk and learning you weren't talking to yourself. Or sometimes you were, right? There's just yeah. no way to grow in hearing from the Lord without risk. There's no way to grow in intimacy with anybody or anything without risk. Yeah. But so I'm in the shower. I think I hear something to do with a lump, which has nothing to do with what I'm planning on talking about. Nothing. I mean, just out of nowhere. But I remembered that and I made a promise to the Lord, like, God, when I speak tonight, because I didn't want to say, like, you know, it was just so random and so weird. Anybody with the lump? (laughs) Strange. And I'm preaching to college students, not like, you know, but I was like, I promise I will share it tonight. Mm. And that was my risk for the day, because I was just like, man, that is, I don't want to do that and make people think I'm weird. um, Um, And so I get up, I share. And I end up saying, I, man, I, <laughs> I'd i forgot because I forget most things. But in the middle of my sermon, I remembered that I felt God had maybe said that. And I was like, crap, I don't want to do this. But I paused in the middle of the sermon. I said, hey, I don't even want to do this. I was very open. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't know if this is the Lord or not. This is what it looks like for me to live my life. Okay. I'm I got the- very surprised that they did not snatch the like- mic from you. Like. <laughs> <laughs> with the wrath of a black mother. <laughs> I do not understand why they let you keep talking. I work out. Come on, we can fight. So <laughs> I say, hey, is there anybody, you know, with a lump? And this guy in the front row stands up and starts crying. He's like, I have a lump or whatever. It's this big thing, right? And so it's just like, okay, random. Either way, then I'm like, well, crap, I got, if that's the Lord, then I got to pray for it. Another thing I don't want to do, I hate praying healing, 
because it messes with my image and I'm worried about what people will think about me, especially if I fail and all these different things. Mm. But that's why God is always making me do stupid stuff. So he will do that. So um, what it starts is this night where I'm like, look, guys, I'm not, you know, I'm nobody, but God is, God is real and he's powerful. And um, anybody who has any like physical issues, I just want to pray healing for you and just let me let me try to be faithful so mm -hmm. i end up praying healing for for a couple people that night and, and um and the first woman um that i pray for um so she's a woman she got in a car crash she used to be a dancer and she's no longer able to dance she she got in the car crash and messed up her back really bad and so she can barely like get on her tippy toes without pain let alone mm. Since she used to do ballet and um, and jazz mm. and very dance, and so she couldn't dance anymore. So so I'm so I'm like, okay, I'll I'll pray for you. So I I prayed for her once, and I was like, how do you feel? And she's like, I feel the same. And I'm like, mm. okay, all right, here, let's try again. Let me pray again. So I pray again. I'm like, how do you feel? She's like, I don't feel any different. I was like, well, is there anything you can't do? Like if you were to get healed, would you know? Uh, is there anything you could you would be able to do that you haven't been able to do before? And she was like, "Well, uh -huh. pretty everything. I couldn't jump." I was like, "Okay." So I prayed for her the second time. I was like, "Hey, will you go ahead and try and jump?" And she's like, "I don't know. It really hurts when I jump." And I was like, "Well, just try. You know, like put your faith in the Lord." She jumps and she comes down crying. And mm. This isn't a good story yet. Oh, he said in pain. Okay. Father in heaven. Now, there's a line of eight or nine people waiting to get prayer from me because apparently God heals or they something. Think, they think you got the juice. Right. And I'm, and this is the first woman, and I'm like looking at them, and I'm like, oh, crap. You know? Like, <laughs> God, but, don't embarrass me out here. He's had me looking crazy. And she, and I'd asked her to take a risk. She, she jumped complete pain she's crying i feel terrible oh my like, god have i missed it in my attempt to be faithful have i actually dishonored you and, and mm -hmm. you know i'm like stressed out but i'm like i'll pray three times because there's an occasion in the bible where jesus prays twice and so i'm like if jesus can pray twice and he's the son of a god then i can always at least pray three times mm. so I go to pray for her again. I'm like, how do you feel? She's like, I don't feel anything different. And then at this point, she's done with me. She's just trying to, she's humoring me, but she's waiting for me to let her go. And I'm, you know, discouraged. And I'm like, yeah. so I'm like, you know what? I feel something from the Lord. And I'm like, I need to pray one more time. If, the, if for no other reason than when I go home tonight, I can say I tried. Yeah. I don't stress out. Yeah. I go to pray. And I get a word of knowledge for her. A word of knowledge is, is when God reveals to you something that you could not have known about someone, you know, just a secret. And literally, and this, and that's, this doesn't happen that often, but it probably happens more often than it happens for most people for me. But, but I'm about to pray. I hear the Lord say this very specific phrase. And this is kind of new to me. I'm like, whoa, what, you know, what is this? I tell her, I was like, hey, I, I was about to pray for you again, but I just heard this sentence, this long sentence. And I was like, is that true? And it was a sentence about her and something happened in her life. And she looks at me and she's like, oh my God, how did you know that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> We're both confused, you know? But it was very, it was very specific. And so... Mm -hmm. And she's like, that's the Lord. She starts crying. And I was like, okay, this is where the faith part came in. I was like, look, God spoke as a sign that he hears you and he sees what you're going through. So we're going to pray again and he's going to heal you. Now, I'm, I don't really believe this. You know, only you, you better have that faith. <laughs> right. But I'm just like, you better God speak things that are not as though they are. Come on. If he can do one miracle, he can do two. So come on. So, like, so, and this is, keep in mind, it's my fourth time praying, right? People, yeah. it's, it's not great. So I go ahead and pray one more time. I say, will you jump after I pray? She's like, I, was, I finished. I was like, how do you feel? She's like, it feels the same. 
I was like, okay, but will you just jump just one more time? She's like, I really don't want to. Like, I really don't want to because she don't believe me either. She goes ahead and jumps. Uh, and when she comes down, she's laughing and laughing. And she starts doing some pirouettes. And she's like, oh, my gosh. It's it's like crazy. Like, how? You know, and she got healed. And I'm that, not crying. You're crying. And uh, it was amazing. And that night, I got to see probably the most people I've ever seen at one time get healed. But wow. it started me looking like an idiot on prayer number four. Is the, one of the coolest things that I've seen. But it really does typify why, like, what it's like to see cool things. Like, a lot of people think, like, oh, it's just, you're just gifted, or you just know the Lord, or you just hear from the Lord. And some of that, I mean, obviously, when I heard that thing from the Lord, like, that was him. Like, I don't, yeah. you know, that was him. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but people don't realize the, how many times I fail, how many times it looks, I'm looking like an idiot all the yeah. time. It's amazing how God will make us lay down our pride for the sake of power. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, hey, if you want to be able to be a conduit for my power on earth, I got to make sure this is not about you. Yeah. And I think that that's why there's a lot of people who have a lot of words and thoughts, um, but very little power to do anything about things, you know? And I think that's something that I just really respect about you is that I have seen you in situations where you could have embarrassed yourself. I've seen you in situations where you have embarrassed yourself, but you were willing to do it because it was God. You know, you were willing to do it because you cared more about God's work and you cared more about people being touched. Um, And I think that for a lot of us, like you talked about how God um, told you with that relationship that you made her your idol. And it feels like God has put you into a ministry and a life where you have to like keep putting down idols yeah i i I agree i think that's why i'm poor right now Uh, yeah and and all these different things i mean my life is amazing to to be clear right i love Mm -hmm. i'm in a place i never thought i'd be yeah i have more peace and more joy than i ever thought more purpose than i'd ever thought i'd have uh, but nothing looks the way that I thought it would. Yeah. And, uh, and that night is so typical of what a lot of my life looks like. I mean, obviously, there's many times I'm unfaithful. I mean, that can't go any farther uh, without saying that. But that night started with me in the shower, thinking maybe I heard God, taking a risk to say it. I mean, it was all a chain of risk-taking. And, and for me personally, because of my desire to be seen, and to be wanted and to be desired, the very same thing that almost got me killed in the first place, putting mm. my identity in someone else's value of who I was. Um, and and God's discipleship with me has been, out of mercy, out of love for me, has been, I'm going to keep putting you in positions uh, where the only person whose recognition or value that matters is mine. Mm. Right? idiot to the rest of these people that's fine because that's what's truly going to free you now it sucks yeah. what you're doing. um but but that's been so true in my life and it sucks because it's been true because now it means that when there are other things that god wants me to do i have less excuses right um, yeah yeah when you see him show up so many times it's like god i can't even say i'm scared you won't show up because <laughs> you showed up the last eight times and you're confronted with that. And that's what I would, that's the encouragement I would give to anybody who's listening. I find that um, often our experiences of God are equivalent to our willingness to suffer, to experience. Mm. And, and that's hard. Um, but it's harder to live without knowing if God really is who he says he is. I mean, that's harder, right? It's it's hard to stand up in front of people and say something that you're not sure, you know, if people are going to laugh at you or not. That's pretty hard. Mm-hmm. It's even yeah. harder when, when your life is built on sand and you need someone to save you and you don't know if God is really a savior. That's harder, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's the thing I encourage myself with. <laughs> and that's the encouragement I would want to give anybody else. Yeah. I mean... I'm always amazed by you, and this is 
just another moment that adds to the list. I'm so grateful that you joined us today. Um, I would love for you to share a couple of parting words. So one, I would love for you to share with our listeners how you take care of your mental health um, or spiritual health rather and spiritual health. And then also if there's anyone who's listening who is struggling with thoughts of whether they deserve or want to live anymore, um, I would just love for you to not only speak whatever you feel um, they need to hear, but also pray over them. Yeah, for sure. Um, how I take care of myself, uh, I take naps. Mm, look at God. For, for me, uh, <laughs> look, let me tell you about me. I work too much um, because I have a desire to prove myself um, to everybody, but also to the Lord. And, yeah. and for me, that's something that I always have to surrender. And so, I, the one of the most difficult things for me to do is to take a nap yeah. or to camp meeting. I, though, that's really hard for me uh, because it feels unproductive because it is. Because when you're napping, all your it's the most unproductive thing you can do in one sense, right? It's also very good for you. But in terms mm -hmm. of productivity, you're not doing anything. You're taking time out of the middle of the day to rest. Um, and so that's a spiritual discipline for me, but also it – it's a mental health thing for me because I found, one, uh, that life is not worth living when it's not worth living. You know, like when you're, mm. like, when you're stressed out and tired and, and depressed and, you know, and hungry, all these different things. Like, the more I take stock of, wow, I've been given one day. I'm making plans for tomorrow, but there's nothing I can do. Try as hard as I might. I will not get to tomorrow any quicker, and it may not even be promised to me. Mm. I tomorrow I've set my alarm clock. I have plans for next week and next month. I have a calendar full of things that are all dependent on God not requiring my life, which sounds maybe more of in one sense, but it's also deeply freeing. Where it says, "So if today is the only day I have, well then I should rest today." Yeah, because this, you know, because it, it may be the last one. And instead of saying, yeah. I'm going to burn myself out, it's like, well, that's not actually how you would spend your last day. Mm. And yeah. it's amazing that, like, I've heard that sentiment, but, like, inversely. You know, like, I've heard people say, like, oh, you you can sleep when you die. You know, um, you know, today's your last day. Do as much as you can. Hustle hard. You know, like, wake up early. Grind. And it's and it's like, yeah, if you, if I knew that today was my last day on Earth, I wouldn't try to do as much stuff because the stuff wouldn't mean anything. Wouldn't mean anything. No one, right. no one is in hospice doing their taxes. Mm. You know, it, that's not. Yeah. Or no one's doing a make a wish uh, to finish their lab report. You know, that's like, that's not what a make a wish mm. is for. Because you're right. Like when you're actually in that place, you're like, no, this doesn't, this doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, and I feel like facing that that stage of life where like you're like oh I don't know tomorrow's promise it forces us to take pleasure in just existing which is what we were created for in the first place yeah and the and the ancillary spiritual benefit is also then you're saying God the things I did not get done today you will provide mm -hmm. yeah I'm saying okay, like if today is a day where I'm going to live as free as I can, that also means that there's a lot of things in my life that want to keep me bound mm -hmm. and a lot of them need to get done. And I'm going to trust that you are going to do them. That's the story of Mary and Martha where, where she's rushing around and things really do need to be done. Like she has to prepare a meal for a lot of people and no one's going to do it if she doesn't do it. It's a yeah. very terrible but Jesus says, hey, sit at my feet instead. And it's and she's like, well, but I've got a meal to prepare. You and your disciples are here. No one's going to do it if I don't do it. Yeah. And that's part of that parable where, where nobody has ever, ever gone hungry around Jesus. Mm. So if Jesus is inviting that, and you know the dude who's always pulling food out of places, it's a... It's a risk that she's taking, but it's a real one because Jesus is saying, I'll take care of it. Yeah, people mm. do 
bed. I feed people though, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just, and, um, and that's uh, but the more I do, the better it is for sure. Um, as far as uh, people struggling with uh, suicide, mm-hmm. uh, I, I can only speak from my own experience. For me, it was directly tied to hope. Yeah. Um, hope that there was nothing more or better, that nothing would change. Hope that there was someone who really cared about me in the ways that I do or was looking for. Um, and for people who are there, here's a Christian platitude that sucks until it's real. Um, I would say you fall on your face and you ask for Jesus to give you something not just worth living for, but worth dying for, um, that you cry out to him. Uh, now, that's right. I'll give something more practical in a second. Um, but, uh, but that's... That Jesus told me Matthew seven that things are not open to us, and it and he does say continue. Sorry, the volume is acting a little crazy, and I want to make sure that people heard you. Can you? Um, your hand might be on, like covering your mic, Jack. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, free hands. So you said um, that you want people to fall on their face and not just ask God for something worth living for, but for something worth dying for. I'd love for you to to run that back. Yeah, the the idea centered around the gospel. The reason I, sometimes people will say, Brent, why did God have that encounter with you, but He didn't have it with other people? And the short answer is, I don't know. You know, I have no idea. I do have a hunch because this is what I know from my own life. What I was saying to the Lord was, the wager I was making was if there's anybody out there who wants this life, they can have it. Mm. You know, for me, I wasn't even really appealing to the God of the Bible. I was appealing to any God, any God who was going to answer me, I would have fought. And there is a for me at least I saw that there was this dual pain and joy of being at the place where I was at the pain of it was obvious the joy was less so the joy of it was that I was finally at a place where I had completely surrendered yeah where what was true in my soul had finally been made apparent outside of me so I could see it yeah I had been living in this place where when I was that depressed and all that sadness and, and, and the anger and the self-hatred I was feeling like that had always been there. Mm-hmm. It just had never had an opportunity to express itself. I was always covering or coping with something else. It was real pain that needed to be exposed so it could be healed. And, um, and being in that place for me, I got something not just worth living for, but something worth dying for too. That is mm-hmm of the gospel which says hey come follow me yeah you're heading towards life but in order to get to the life you're gonna die first and sometimes people are asking god to be their anesthesia they're saying god will you take my pain away mm. and god is dope and he's amazing and he loves us and so many times he does that but he's doing it for a reason it's not for its own end yeah it's supposed to be so that we follow him and so so for people who have maybe said oh man i've asked god for help and i haven't really found anything i i sympathize with that because obviously i was there for the first couple of hours um yeah um, Yeah. i want to what i want to say to you is i want you to consider is if he shows up for you in whatever way you need him to Mm -hmm. will you then do what he's asking which Mm to follow him that could mean that like i stayed single for the next four years mm. because relationships had been so toxic in my life and i was really single not like how people be signing dms talking to people but they're not dating i mean really single mm. um, and, and that was one of the things that i had to do and so that's that's the first part of an earnest cry for the lord 
after contemplating what that could look like. Yeah. Um, but, um, but also, I think you should tell someone not just how sad you are, but how maybe like depressed. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. I think you should seek help. Um, but uh, I think that if it hadn't happened the way it did, what could have also happened is there were people in my life who really did care about me, but did not know what I was going through and could mm -hmm. not really give me some of the help that I needed and, uh, and some of the care. Um, and, um, yeah, I think with that, I, I pray unless you want me to say anything else. Yeah. Come on. Lead us in prayer. Yeah. So, um, Dad, I thank you. I praise you because you promised to be the well of living water mm. that satisfies. In Isaiah 55, you give this invitation. You ask people to come. Um, and the only requirements are that they be thirsty and they be hungry. And you promise that if they, if they come to you, they can buy wine and food without cost. They can come and drink deeply of your waters um, and come and live. Uh, and that teaches us something about you, that you are near to those who are desperate and hurting. You're not far from them. You're not waiting for them to jump through hoops. Um, you just want them to actually be desperate. And so, God, I pray that anybody who's even listening now, who's in a place where they fe they're feeling desperate, that it would become a prophecy for them, uh, that it'd be, it would become prophetic of, of good news because mm -hmm. you answer to those who are desperately hurting and it's not superficial it's not intellectual it's service on sunday it's rooted in a real person with a real life with a real hope the real spirit that you want to give and replace and exchange sorrow for joy and so holy spirit i ask that you would increase courage in people's lives to to trust you and to take a risk um not merely to recommit um, or, or make a commitment to thinking differently, going to church um, but but a commitment to real repentance. And God, is there anything in my life that you don't like? If you will give me what I'm looking for, I'll give you what you're looking for. Um, And um, finally, um, you know what it's like to be hurting. Um, you uh, cried out in the garden for mm. a cup uh, to pass um, because you knew real fear. You knew real anguish. Uh, the Bible calls you a man of many sorrows. You, you, are, you know exactly what people are going through. Would they come to believe that and see it for themselves? I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, Brent. Um, I know that everything you shared is definitely going to impact somebody because it impacted me. Um, if you guys want to stay connected with Brent, you can... <laughs> He's off social media, so I really don't know. <laughs> you can reach him at his email. What's your email, Brent? I'm going to put it in the show notes. Oh, perfect. Yeah, brent.campbell at intervarsity.org. Yeah, you can keep in um, touch with him. Brent um, is amazing. Like he mentioned before, he fundraises for his salary and... Um, I think that he is vastly underpaid for the impact that he's had um, in my world, in the world of many, many people. So if you feel led um, to give and to invest in the work that God is doing in his life, just shoot him an email, let him know, sign up. Um, he shares some really awesome stories of faith, of healing, of ups and downs in his newsletter. So even if you don't want to give right away or give it all, definitely sign up for his newsletter so you can stay updated with what he's doing. Right. Yeah. Thank you guys so much until the circle comes back around. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.